Well, we're going to get back to our series next week on the books. And so we talked about the Lamb's Book of Life last week. We're going to talk about the Book of You next week. But today, we have the privilege of having one of our missionaries with us, uh, Leah and Michael Beatty. And uh, we have supported Leah for years now, maybe nine, ten years, I think. In fact, we've been all over Ecuador, <laughs> high up in the Andes Mountains. We've, 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 we've been to towns with her that are just amazing. You get pictures, don't do it justice. But we've had the privilege of, of really of taking many teams with her in Ecuador. But there's something different for Leah, and that she's got a husband now. So she is married, and uh, we're excited. We've been praying with her about that for a long time. But, you know, one of the things we believe here at Hope Fellowship is Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations. And he says, in Jerusalem, in Judea, and to the ends of the earth. And we believe in that pattern. We believe as a church, we should be involved in seeing people come to know Jesus, not only in our Jerusalem where we are, in Judea, around us, but all over the world. And so when you go on in the foyer, one of the things you'll see in the foyer is you'll see the, the missions board. And we support those people on that, those missionaries on that, on that wall. We support them monthly out of your tithes and offerings. We're a, we're a church that believes in tithing on our tithes and offerings to see people come to know Jesus. And so just out of your normal giving, you're a big part of what they do in Ecuador on an on a ongoing basis. And, and so I just want to say thank you for your giving because you're going to meet people in heaven that you never met, but because you were faithful in your giving, they're going to say thank you because you gave an opportunity for that missionary to come to my town, share the gospel, for me to find Jesus, and I wouldn't be here without people like you. Isn't that going to be amazing one day? But anyway, we're glad to have them this morning, so I'm going to welcome them. And let me just say this, uh, before I have Leah come up, you're in for a good word this morning. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is a really good word. This is a really good word. Listen, the, Michael's going to preach this morning, and he's going to bring a very, very unique word to you that I think is, it was, there's a very sweet presence in this service in the first in the first service, and I believe God has something specific to say, uh, something so simple, but something so profound that a lot of us need to hear this morning. So can we bow our heads for a moment and just open our hearts and our minds? Holy Spirit, we just come to you today, and we ask as we open up our hearts and our minds that you would minister to us, that you would speak something deep into our, our being this morning that would, that would propel us forward that would strengthen us, that would help us be fruitful for you. Lord, we give you praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, would you welcome, I believe Miss Leah is going to come first. And you both coming? Oh, they're both coming up here. Oh, just Miss Leah first. Good morning. What a privilege it is to be here today. I see so many familiar faces. I just want to run into the crowd and give everyone a hug, but... We are just so honored to be here, and we really do not say this everywhere, um, but this feels like coming home. We, we have family here, and I want to take a moment and, and just say thank you to all of you that have been to Ecuador. If you've been to Ecuador, could, could you possibly just stand up right where you are? I just want to see those that have actually been on the ground in Ecuador. Wow, so incredible. This is just awesome. And now um, you may be seated. I want, to, I want everyone to give yourself just a round of applause because even if you haven't been on the ground in Ecuador, you have been on the ground in Ecuador because you're giving, just as Pastor Josh said, 
is doing incredible things in Ecuador, and it has throughout the years, and it continues to do so. So thank you for giving. What you do matters. You are making a difference, and we could not do what we do without you. And so with that being said, I also want to just honor your pastors. Thank you, Pastor Josh and Amy. We love you. We're so grateful to be a part of just the Hope Fellowship family. And I also want to say thank you to our hosts, to Rose and Brian for hosting us. And Melody and Daryl took us out on their boat yesterday. So we, we are being spoiled. They still gave me scrapples, so I'm a little, you know. <laughs> you know, in Ecuador, we give you guinea pigs. So I think as soon as I get to Maryland, everyone wants to give me scrapple. It's like a revenge, you know, like, here you go. But, uh, you know... A little secret is I actually like Scrapple. I, it's weird. I, I, I don't love it with grape jelly, but I like it like this little thin, crispy little thing. I know. Did I offend people? I'm so sorry. <laughs> so go ahead and forgive me so that you can hear what, what God has put in our hearts to, to share this morning. But we just want to take a moment for those that don't know us to share a little bit of our story. You know, we were married a little over a year ago. And any single people here today? Yeah. We, we waited and we prayed. You know, Michael and I both served single in ministry for a long time, and, and God heard our prayers, thankfully, and he's, you know, orchestrated such an incredible plan. Michael has served Convoy of Hope for the last eight years. Some of you may have heard of that ministry, and I've been serving single as a missionary in Ecuador. And now God has united our hearts and our callings and just aligned just our purpose to go back into unreached communities in the Andes Mountains of Ecuador. And some of you may know my story, and I want to share it just to encourage you a little bit this morning, is that I love churches like Hope Fellowship. Because when I was a little girl, you know, I tell people I love missions because missions saved my life. It's the idea that God would send people to those that have never heard about Jesus. And that's what he did for me when someone knocked on my front door to invite my family to church. And little did that person know that my mom was an alcoholic. She was an addict. She said she'd never go to the parking lot of a church. But you know what God did? He sent someone else that asked the question, well, if you won't go, what about your daughter? Can I bring her to church? And that is how I came to know the Lord. And little did I know that God would use me around the world to be a missionary. And here I was called to the mission field saying, but God, my family doesn't even know you. Our nation is lost. How do I go to other parts of the world to tell people about Jesus when there's such a need here? But we're obedient. We listen to the call of God. And would you believe me if I told you that a week after I get on the mission field, I get a call from my mom. After years of praying, I get a call that she had gone to a gas station. Someone bought her a tank of gas. Could anyone use a free tank of gas? <laughs> And she was so impacted by this, this act of kindness. And she walked up to this man and said, why would you do such a thing? And he said, because Jesus loves you. And after years of praying and worrying and saying, God, what are you doing? My family is lost. My mom came to know the Lord in a gas station. And her story has impacted thousands of people around the world. And I had no idea what God was going to do. But I want to tell you this morning, and I say this probably every time that I speak, that there is no pain that God cannot redeem for his purpose. And that's what he did with my mom's story. And so he led me to start nearly eight years ago what is called the April Project, and it was named after my mom. She later got cancer and passed away, and, and I questioned. I was like, God, what are you doing? But I'm so thankful for the grace of God in eternity because now she's in eternity, and that's the goal. 
reason we do what we do is so that every person has an opportunity to see eternity one day. But the April Project is part of a much bigger picture because even though we've been able to help hundreds and thousands of people with this story, we have a discipleship program. We meet every week, kind of like recovery, but, but a little different. We disciple families, and we have seen so many people come through the April Project, but it's part of a much bigger picture because all throughout the Andes Mountains, there are still communities that have never heard about Jesus. And so we believe that tools like the April Project and other tools like counseling can open the door where the gospel has not been planted. And so I want to share with you about a community called Hema. And some of you have actually been in Hema. But Hema is a village of 10,000 people. And at the time, not a single Christian church. There was a local pastor that had gone into this community with his team for years. And they did outreaches. And every time that they went in, they literally were told, we don't want you here. They had rocks thrown at them. They would get different places to meet, and people would come and break their equipment. They were not wanted in this village, but they were so tenacious, and when we heard about this, we said, we've got to go to Hema, and we have to pray. God can still do something in Hema, and I'll never forget my first visit there. I met a woman, and she was angry, and she said, we don't want you here, and I asked the Holy Spirit to give me something to say, and he gave me the word suicide. Well, that's a really uncomfortable thing to talk about. And so I was obedient to the Holy Spirit, and I asked her if suicide was a problem in that community. And she told me 13 people the month before had committed suicide. She grabbed my arm, and when I asked her, why do you think this is happening? She said, oh, that's simple. Well, there's nothing simple about suicide. She said, there is no hope beyond the mountains. Wow. Well, that became our mission to bring hope beyond the mountains because hope has a name and his name is Jesus. After that conversation, we were given access into schools to talk about suicide prevention. Your team was on the ground in Hema, and I want to share with you and show you a picture now of the very first church in Hema. There's a picture of that. It's incredible. And I believe that we have a picture of your team standing in that church. So your team members in the back there, there's Jason. Is he? Hey. <laughs> and so when I tell you that you've had a direct impact on what God is doing, the pandemic was hard in Ecuador. We were shut down for almost seven months. You know, when I came back to the States to get married, I had not been to church in months. And I cried in my very first worship service. And so for those that are, you know, not able to still be here, I want you to encourage your neighbor, come back to church. There is nothing like being in the presence of God and community. And, um, and we are so thankful for technology and for those that are able to watch from all over the world. And if we didn't greet our online community, we're so grateful that you're here with us this morning, too. But man, there's something about being together as well. And so we are just so excited because Michael and I are going to be going back. And our goal is to continue to reach communities like Hema. And now we're adding the other resource of Convoy of Hope. And so we're going to be able to use programs like agriculture and women's empowerment. And also we're going to continue with counseling. The Lord is speaking this morning. We're going to continue with counseling and seeing the local church planted. And we want you to know that you have a part in bringing hope beyond the mountains of Ecuador. 
We cannot do this without you. And so thank you so much, Hope Fellowship. We love you, and we are so honored to be here with you this morning. And we hope to be able to chat with you and and hug each of you after the service. Thank you. Good morning. I trust everyone is doing well today. I can tell you that I was also fortunate enough to partake in the, I guess it's a local delicacy of Scrapple. <laughs> I was blessed to, uh, to, to have some of that as well. Um, wow, what a joy, what an honor uh, to be here. Um, Pastor Josh and Pastor Amy, thank you so much uh, for giving us the opportunity Anytime we're able to share our heart, share our story, uh, we do not take it for granted. Uh, we're so thankful. Uh, and I want to say thank you to Brian and to Rose and to Daryl and Melody. Thank you so much. Uh, just over the past few days, you guys have loved us so well. And I cannot say thank you enough. Um, you know, Leah has been talking about you guys uh, ever since I met her. And uh, I can tell you that this date was circled on our calendar with big big, bold uh, markers because uh, she absolutely loves and adores uh, this church and, uh, and, the, and the people that represent this church. Um, and thank you. Um, you know, I haven't personally been able to serve full-time in Ecuador yet, but I know uh, that your fingerprint is all over Ecuador, and it's incredible, and I just, I pray that God would bless you in an extraordinary way for what you have done, what you're doing, and what you're going to continue to do. I just pray that God will bless you. And on a personal note, I must say thank you. I, uh, I know that I will be forever indebted to you because I know that you are one of the churches that helped pray me in. And that's why I'm standing here today uh, as an incredibly blessed man. And I cannot say thank you enough. Um, so... Um, you know, um, something that I've been thinking about recently, I recently heard a pastor say, um, he said, you are born looking like your parents, but you die looking like your decisions. You are born looking like your parents, but you die looking like your decisions. And I've been thinking about that. When he said that, I thought about you know, I, I've heard this story uh, many times. It's our heart. It's our passion. It's our ministry. And I know the story of the 13 who tragically made the decision to commit suicide. They made a temporary, they made a decision based on a temporary circumstance. It's tragic. It's tragic. Um, when she told Leah, she said, there's no hope beyond the mountains. A moment of honesty here. How many, how many here talk to yourselves? I have a wife 
who is gifted in the art of talking to herself. I, I will hear her talking, and I'll say, what did you say? She'll say, no, I'm, I'm just talking to myself. But it's true, we all talk to ourselves. Uh, what you say, what you think, what you say about your situation is so critical. Because it will, it will either empower you for more or it'll keep you contained in the, situ- in the situation that you're in. What you say is so critical to the decisions that you make. Proverbs says that you will eat the fruit of what you say. So she said there's no hope beyond the mountains. Now, uh, to understand hope in a biblical sense just means a joyful, uh, it's a joyful expectation and trust that God is going to do something good in your life. A joyful, confident expectation and trust that God is going to do something in your life. Just a, a general definition of hope is just an expectation of good. When she said that there is no hope beyond the mountains, there was no expectation. There was no expectation of good. And there certainly was no expectation of God doing anything good. And so I want to talk to you this morning on something that I recently, I had never said this, actually I had never said this until today. But practicing Hope decisions. Practicing hope decisions. Practice makes progress. Practice makes better. And when you make these decisions and you practice these decisions, it can grow your faith. But you've got to do it consistently. It's got to become a lifestyle. It's not just something that you can do occasionally making these hope decisions. And so this morning, uh, we're going to look at a story that's found in 2 Chronicles. So if you'll turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And it's a beautiful story of what making hope decisions, practicing making hope decisions looks like. When you come to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, Um, scholars believe that this story here is the purest expression of hope in all of Scripture. King Jehoshaphat uh, was the fourth king of Judah. He was a good and godly king. The Bible likens him to David because of his wholehearted devotion to God. He was a man after God's own heart, and that's the way he led. That's the way he ruled his kingdom with a reverent fear of God. And so, when you come to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, there are some men that come to Jehoshaphat. And this is what they say, Jehoshaphat, there is a vast army that's coming against you. And so Jehoshaphat was afraid. And so he, he gathered his people together and he proclaimed a time of prayer and a time of fasting. 
And we're going to look at, at this prayer that Jehoshaphat prays. He prays this prayer, and go down to verse uh, 9. Jehoshaphat, in his prayer, he says, If disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple. And we will cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. That's hope. That's a prayer of hope. That's a joyful confident expectation and trust that God is going to work. And how does he know this? Because if you read back, you can see God working in his life time and time again. So he's remembering. And so he's just calling back into his remembrance all that God has has done before in the past. And so even though there's an army, there's three armies actually, three armies that are coming against him. And at this point, the armies are 40 miles away. And they're coming after the nation. Their goal, their one main objective is to completely annihilate Jehoshaphat and his kingdom. To wipe them off the map. To wipe them off the face of the earth. That's what they're coming after. And they're 40 miles away and Jehoshaphat is afraid. And he calls a time of prayer and fasting. And in this prayer, he remembers what God has already done. So now he already, he's already practicing hope. Go down to verse 12. He says, O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do. Unless I miss my guess, if there's ever been a prayer prayed more especially in the past two years, it's this one right here, a simple prayer that says, God, I don't know what to do. Now, I told you that they were coming to annihilate Jehoshaphat and his kingdom, but notice that they said, Jehoshaphat, they're coming against you. The attack was personal. And maybe there's somebody here this morning that you've been in attack and it feels personal to you. Jehoshaphat said, I don't know what to do. I can tell you that I've walked um, in a season where I've prayed this prayer more times than I care to admit. As Leah said, we were married. Uh, This past year, we got married. We were fortunate enough to get married at the Grand Canyon. And I can tell you that it was a day uh, like a fairy tale, like you would read in a book. And it was the happiest day of my life. It was beautiful. But unfortunately, there was a COVID outbreak at our wedding. Many people got COVID. We went on our honeymoon. We were supposed to be in our honeymoon for six days. We ended up being there for 16 because we had COVID so bad uh, that we couldn't get off the island. And 17 days after the happiest day of my life, I experienced the worst day of my life because my dad passed away from COVID. And so I found myself, like Jehoshaphat, saying, God, I don't know what to do. 
my uncle, he was a minister and he was ministering at my dad's funeral and he honored my dad so well. And almost five months to the day of him speaking at my dad's funeral, I was speaking at his because he also passed from COVID. And I can tell you that again, I was saying, God, I don't know what to do. We celebrated our one year anniversary and we had been, we had, before that, we had found out that Leo was pregnant and we got a grim report. But we chose to, to believe. And we were praying for a miracle. And then two days after our, we celebrated our one year anniversary, my wife experienced a, a, a miscarriage. And once again, I found myself saying, God, I do not know what to do. I do not know what to do. But then Jehoshaphat says, right after that, he says, but our eyes are on you. What that means is, God, if you and you alone don't work, and you don't move in this situation, and if you don't help, help simply just isn't coming. Because what I'm in right now, only you can, only you can work, only you can move, only you can bring about a victory, only you can bring about a healing, only you can bring about change. He said, our eyes are on you. Recently, uh, back in May, I had the privilege um, to, to go to Poland and serve with Convoy of Hope, and we were serving uh, the Ukrainian refugees. And on that trip, I had the, uh, the honor of going to a church that was attended by Ukrainian refugees, and it was a building like this. Uh, it looked a lot like this. I mean, th there were people lining the walls. I mean, you couldn't have probably have fit any more people in there. And I, I, I talked with with many, and, and I, uh, I, I had never experienced, uh, you know, dealing with people and, 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 uh, who, who'd experienced pain and loss on this kind of level. It was, it was tragic, it was heartbreaking, but it was also exciting because they are a people of resilience. They are a people that still believe God that, that God is going to, to work and move on their behalf. And that particular morning, the pastor got up and he said, I have a word from the Lord. And it was this. He said, it will not always be this way. Amen. I thought about Jehoshaphat then. Because he says, God, I don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. It, it very well could have been Jehoshaphat saying, it will not always be this way. And so I just want to encourage somebody here this morning that it will not always be this way. And so the word of the Lord comes to the prophet, and the prophet gives Jehoshaphat a word, and he says, be of good courage, don't be afraid, because this battle the Lord is going to fight. Yeah. This battle the Lord is going to fight. He tells them, all you got to do is just send the worshipers out. Send the worshipers out. 
and I'll handle the rest. And so Jehoshaphat, he does what, what the prophet says. And so they send an army out early in the morning. And I love that the song that they sing when they go out, they sing, the Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. His love endures forever. They sing that song on the way to the battlefield. And, the God, and God causes a confusion between the armies. All three armies, they get there, and God causes a, a confusion. They end up fighting themselves, and they, and they destroy one another. Jehoshaphat's army didn't have to lift a finger. All they did was worship and sing. God did what he said he would do. He gave them the victory. It took them three days to collect the spoils. Three days to gather up the blessing from the victory that God had given them. And they, they worshipped there. They worshipped there. Go to verse 29. And it says, the fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace. For God had given him rest on every side. God had given him rest on every side. practice hope decisions. Um, in verse 3 of this story, it says, And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. This beautiful story, this beautiful story hinged on this one verse right here. It, this one verse is what made all of this come to pass. Three nations were coming against Jehoshaphat. He was afraid. Of course he was. The Bible says he set himself. The word set here means to decide. In this moment, afraid, Jehoshaphat made and practiced a hope decision. Decision means literally to cut off. When you make a decision, you cut off all other options. I don't know how they get this number. Researchers have studied this, and, and this is what they say, that each person in one day makes 35,000 decisions in one day. a lot of opportunity to make a hope decision. 35,000 decisions in one day. There's also something that's called decision fatigue. For all of my married friends in the room, you understand <laughs> what decision fatigue I'm learning. You say, I don't. I do not care what we eat, where we eat. I cannot make another decision. 
but afraid, Jehoshaphat practiced a hope decision. He could have stayed in that fear. He could have stayed in anxiety. He could have stayed anywhere. But he made a decision and he cut off all other options. That's what you do. You cut off all other options. And so here in this story, there's three ways that I see that Jehoshaphat practiced hope decisions. Number one, he prayed. He prayed. Sometimes prayer um, isn't our first response. Prayer shouldn't just... Prayer is not just a weapon, but it's our most powerful weapon that we have. Because when we go to God, when we get in his presence and we talk to him, what happens is is he hears and he talks back to us. And we can get the wisdom and the direction and, and what decision to make. So Jehoshaphat prayed and he prayed first. And then second... He listened and he obeyed. He heard the word of the Lord and he obeyed. Now maybe that looks, what that looks like for you, maybe Pastor Josh in a message speaks a word and you know that's for you. You hear that word and you obey. The gentleman that bought Leah's mother a a tank of gas, that day he made a hope decision. He practiced a hope decision. See, when you practice hope decisions, it can change everything. It changed, it changed her mother's life here on earth and eternity. You listen and you obey. And then number three, you worship. Worship is all throughout this, this story. They worshiped before the battle. They worshiped in the battle, and they worshiped after the battle. I can tell you this, that we, we do not worship for victory, but we worship from a place of victory because he's already given us the victory. Because our God is a God who goes before us, and he fights our battles for us. So I want to encourage you today, practice hope decisions. I said at the beginning that the pastor said that you're born looking like your parents, but you die looking like your decisions. I want to ask you a question this morning. What do you look like? What do you hope to look like when it's all over? I can tell you that over the past year, there's been times where I really had to set myself, I had to decide. Going through all of the missions process, you know, knowing God has called me, God has called us to go to the mission field, but also wrestling. Because I never, you know, I never expected to be at the altar, marrying 
my best friend, and then just a little over 17 days later, looking at my father in the casket. I never could have dreamed that. And I can tell you that over, the, over this past year that I've had to make a decision. Either God is who he says he is, he is good and he does good, or he's not. And I can tell you from a personal, uh, personally speaking, I have had to make, I've had to practice making hope decisions, even when I didn't understand it, even when I didn't, when it didn't match my current situation, my current reality, I had to make those decisions in, fa- in the face of, of that. And I can tell you that I'm so glad I did. I'm so glad I did. I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to ask Pastor to come up. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is alive and it's active. And Father, I thank you for these beautiful moments that you've given us together, Father. And Father, I come against the spirit of fear. There's there's so much to be afraid of. Every day we wake up, there's something new that we can be afraid of. Just like Jehoshaphat was afraid, there's so much we can be afraid of, God. But I, I come against that spirit of fear. And Father, I pray that we would become a people that will set ourselves and, and, and choose and decide hope. That we will be a people that, that have a joyful, confident expectation of trust. That you are going to do what you say you're going to do. Father, bless my friends this morning in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask Leah, would you join us up here this morning? I told you, God had a word for you this morning. If you're like me, you've got situations in your life, and like, I don't know what to do. And I didn't expect this. And one of the things that struck me this time around, I got to hear this twice, so I've been chewing on this for a couple hours now, is that people that practice hope, do you know what they end up with in the long run? A testimony. They end up with a testimony. And they also end up as a powerful tool in the hands of God. And so I don't know where you're at today, but thank you, Michael, for sharing. That is uh, just being vulnerable and being willing to share. I don't know what to do, but I'm going to worship my way through this. And it doesn't mean it'll be easy, but what it does mean is that your God is good. And you may not understand it this side of eternity, but know that he's got a plan. You weren't here by accident this morning. So when you leave this place and you say, man, the Lord really spoke to me. You go out of here with joy and Monday comes. You're going to say, I'm going to practice hope today. And, and you understand, sometimes you don't practice hope. Sometimes it's not about, oh, I practiced hope today. I'm going to be good from now on. Sometimes you're practicing hope for a whole season of your life. Until God turns the page to the next season. I'm going to trust him. 
I'm going to practice hope. Amen. We're going to pray over this couple. We're so thankful for you guys. We're so excited about what God's doing in your life and in your ministry. And, you know, it's a real privilege to, um, you know, I've said this when you were here before, but we feel like you're one of our own because we've spent so much time with you out in the mission field and you've been so kind and generous to us. And, and um, you know, I was even thinking about uh, this morning when my daughter Liza was leading worship up here, you know, her calling started on a mission trip we did with you on the field. And so thank you for sowing into our people and into my life personally over the years. And thank you for sowing into our congregation with a very powerful word this morning. We, we appreciate it. Uh, before we pray for them, what we're going to do on our way out is we already support them monthly out of your tithes and offerings. But if you'd like to give something special on your way out, our ushers will be at the door. If you're going to write a check, you could just write Hope Fellowship. We'll put it all in one and give it to them. But what they would love is they would love for you to say hi. They're going to be out at the lawn foyer. And uh, they have prayer cards that you can pick up that you can remember to pray for them. And I challenge the first service. I think one of the things you can do with this is not only remember to pray for them, but when you see this couple, you're going to go practice hope. Some of you, this is going to be a reminder. You got to put it in on your on your on your vanity in the morning. You need to put it on your nightstand. Some of you are really struggling through some things in your life, and this is going to be a reminder. Put this somewhere you can see it, and let it be a reminder that I'm going today. It may not be an easy day, but I'm going to practice hope today. Sound good? Yeah. All right, let's pray for this couple. Would you stretch your hands forward? Lord, we thank you, Lord, for Michael. Lord, we thank you for Leah. Lord, we thank you for their lives, Lord. And Lord, although this has been an interesting season and a, a season of not knowing what to do, Lord, I, I pray that you would strengthen them anew this morning, Father. Lord, I pray through your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would just empower them, Lord, with a, with a new determination, with a new... Jesus, God. And I just pray, Father, that this next season, Lord, as they worship where they are now, this next season that you're preparing them for would come forth with power, Lord. It would be fruitful beyond more than they could ever imagine. Lord, we thank you for what they're do you're doing in their lives. And Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in the lives of those in this place this morning. Lord, help us all to practice hope that you may be glorified, that we may be usable for your glory. Lord, we love you and we praise you. And we all said together in the name of Jesus, amen, amen. Lee and Mike will be out there at the lawn floor. God bless you. Hey, next week, you do not want to miss next week, the powerful message back in our series in the books. We're going to talk about the book of you and how it prepares you for eternity. We'll see you next week. If you need prayer, our prayer partners will be up here. Anything going on in your life you'd like prayer for, let us pray over you. Ask the Lord to work. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week.